and a pleasant good day to you on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast. Jaden Daly here with you in September, moving ever so closer to the start of the new basketball season, opening night, November 6th. And between now and then, our next guest was planned for a while since he took over his current capacity, but it was just a matter of scheduling and him getting acclimated to his new line of work before we brought him in. It is my honor at this time to welcome to the podcast a longtime friend and a returning Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference employee. Now he's the head man in charge, the new commissioner of the MAC, having replaced Rich Enzer in May after Rich's 35 years on the job. It's my honor to welcome Mr. Travis Pelotasi to the podcast. Travis, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. How's the MAC been treating you, man? Thanks, Jaden. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it, you know, starting on May fifteenth and being in the role for uh, a little over a hundred days, it's it's been uh, good so far. I, I think we've got uh, a lot of things that we were able to accomplish even early in, in those first hundred days, and and looking forward to continuing our our progress as we move into uh, obviously the the new academic year and and ultimately basketball season coming up. You mentioned the first 100 days on the job, almost four months now since you officially assumed the reins from Rich. Have you picked up any new perspective, any new mindsets or approaches for your first few weeks on the job that you can apply with you, not just this year, but moving forward in the years to come? Yeah, so it's really important for me to, to get out and, and hear from the membership. So I had set out to visit all 11 campuses in the first 100 days. That was my goal, was able to do that in about 73. So it was a little aggressive in, in terms of scheduling, but um, I'm happy I did it. I met with all of our presidents, our athletic directors, our senior women administrators. I sat down with our Olympic sport coaches as a group and then uh, met individually with our, our head men's and women's basketball coaches and then also had the opportunity to meet with some student athletes as well and you know it was good to hear their different perspectives on the league what they thought was going well the areas that they thought we could improve and, and what I did with that information I had about 110 pages of notes from those visits and took it back and uh, made it into a presentation for the presidents put it into about uh, 11 or 12 PowerPoint slides and um, really shared my observations with the presidents, our athletic directors, our senior women administrators on on the things that I heard from campus. You know, there, there were very candid conversations, which I thought was was good. And, you know, I, I think based on the conversations, there's a lot of good things that, that came out of those. So we're really set up here well to go in our strategic planning process. Having gone through those visits was was very helpful for me. And you mentioned your goal is getting to every campus and, and meeting with some of the top names and influential personnel at, at each school. What were the biggest takeaways that you had from some, if not all, of the 11 schools that you visited? You know, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me was just hearing uh, where the league has done well. There's a lot of things that I think um, that the MAC has done well in terms of being innovated, uh, innovative with our relationship, whether it be with Disney or, or ESPN. And uh, I, I think the MAC's been out in front of, of many of those ventures. And then the areas that we can improve, I, I think, with any conference in the country, um, you know, resources vary greatly from top to bottom. So I think in, in my role, it's really trying to figure out how do we get all 11 schools moving in, in the same direction, knowing that, 
you know, resources are different from institution to institution. So, um, you know, hearing the areas that, that I think we can improve, obviously with basketball being a, a focus as an area that, that we know is important to this league, how do we continue to invest in men's and women's basketball? How do we continue to move the needle in those sports? And then also looking at our, our Olympic sports and championships. How do we do a better job in, in running our championships? How do we improve that student athlete experience? Those are all of the discussions that we had on campus. And I appreciate the membership being candid. And, and I think it's been helpful for me to know right off the bat the areas that, that we need to look at and address. Talking to Mac Commissioner Travis Teletasi on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast as he begins his first full academic year, first full men's and women's basketball season at the helm as commissioner after Rich Enzer's 35-year stewardship. Travis, I'll give you the opportunity now to give us a state of the Mac address. What is the current state of the league? Anything that you feel is relevant that can be discussed here? Yeah, so as I look at the league as, as a whole, I, I think one of the, the things that I'm excited to embark on is our new strategic planning process. So we have a, um, a strategic plan that was created prior to the pandemic uh, in 2019, and it never really got off the ground because of COVID. So this is really a, a fresh opportunity to take a look, as I mentioned, at where does the league want to go? I think we've got a couple of projects that are running simultaneously. So we've got our strategic plan. We've got our media rights assessment that we're also doing. And that involves taking a look at how are our campuses doing in terms of their productions, our ESPN contract, and, and what the future looks like in terms of media rights. So, so those are the two major projects that we've, we're, we're starting and then with that, I think, comes the branding piece of the conference, something that I heard on, on all of my visits and obviously being familiar with the league is, um, you know, the opportunity for a, a fresh brand. And, and when we say the Mac, it, it's a little different in uh, different areas of the country. And I can share this experience coming from Nashville when I, when I took the job and, you know, somebody I was at a party, a graduation party, and, and somebody asked me what why I was moving and what I was doing. And. You know, I told him that I was going to be the, the commissioner of the MAC. And, and the person that I was speaking to said, you know, I just had a great visit uh, with my son to Bowling Green. And it, it's it's constantly having to explain, well, it's not it's not that MAC. It's the other MAC. It's the MAC with two A's. It's, it's um, you know, the Metro Atlantic. So I, I think when we say MAC, there's there's different connotations there and a little confusing for people nationally. Now, when you say MAC in New Jersey, it has a completely uh, different connotation because people are more familiar with the league. So if we want to be a nationally recognized brand, I think that's something that we really have to take a look at is what does that look like from outside of this region? So so those are some of the big projects that we're, we're starting on um, in terms of the league. I, I would say the state of the MAC, obviously strong financially. The world of college athletics, as you know, right now is uh, a little crazy. So I, I think it's constantly being up to date with what's going on from a name, image and likeness perspective, from a transformation committee uh, perspective. And how do we adapt as the league to the changing landscape within college athletics? You just mentioned NIL. and That's something I wanted to get into with you, Travis. It's different on the conference end, like many other aspects of athletics are conference versus at the university or college level but have there been any discussions from your office from your vantage point as far as what to do with nil and how to pursue it and how committed do you 
as a conference want to be in helping these 11 schools be proactive? Yeah, we, we've had those conversations already. I, I think obviously name, image, and likeness is is here to stay. So from a conference perspective, what's our strategy and, and how do we as 11 different member institutions all get on the same page? We have some schools that have started collectives. We have others that have just, um, you know, tried to assist student athletes from different platforms what they're using institutionally with, with name, image, and likeness. But what's our conference strategy at the end of the day? I, I think it's something that, um, you know, we've been heavily involved with already from a national level in terms of the legislation that's been out there of uh, engaging with our senators and, and Congress people. So uh, we've had schools and student athletes already meet with, with some of the senators that uh, have proposed bills and give the student athletes perspective to say, we're probably a little different in the MAC than, than the SEC in terms of name, image, and likeness. And, and uh, we've talked in those discussions about employment status for student athletes. So I, I think those are really important discussions to have on the national level. And it's great that student athletes can give their perspective straight to the senators uh, as opposed to it coming from us. I think it's really been a beneficial pro uh, process up to this point. So you know, I'm all for name, image, and likeness. I think student athletes uh, should be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I think it's something that was long overdue. We should have been doing it 15 years ago. I think everybody would probably agree, however, the way that it transpired was not in anybody's best interest, and, and there needs to be uh, some more guardrails on, on what we're looking at there. But I, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful for the legislation that's proposed that we can come to some sort of understanding that's beneficial for, for everybody at the end of the day. Matt Commissioner Travis Talatasi joining us on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast. And Travis, you talked about growing the lead from a branding and, and media perspective as well. With the ESPN package that has already been established in the MAC, do you intend to hopefully get more exposure for the conference across the networks? And also with broadcast rights deals being so vital in realignment talks over the last few months with the football schools getting more lucrative broadcast rights. How important is it, my second question here, to establish a fair and equitable market value for the MAC? Yeah, obviously the goal is to get as much exposure for the league as possible. As you know, um, the, the media rights space is, has been a little wacky, um, and it's obviously a microcosm of where the, the industry is as well in terms of people cutting the cord versus streaming. So I think as we look at uh, the process that we're going through, one of the things that's really important to me and, and has always been important, even dating back to my time on campus, is how are our institutions equipped to stream our events? Because you and I both know that's that's where we're at. That's the future. So I think from a campus perspective, we've got to continue to invest in, in our productions. I think when we talk about brand, a lot of people think logo and name in terms of brand, but I would argue that brand is much more than that. You know, the way that we stream a basketball game or a soccer match or a volleyball game is just as important. We don't want to be known as the school or the conference that has the shaky camera or the graphics are spelled wrong. So I think as we continue to look at options for, for our broadcast um, potential is we need to continue to invest in, in our campus productions. And, and I'm happy that our schools have done that. We've got 
multiple schools now that have studios on campus, have control rooms on campus, that they're able to broadcast from a centralized control room uh, for many sports. And I think that's the model that should be followed. So I, I think as we look at the future, obviously we've got our slot for men's basketball on linear television on ESPNU on Friday night, which um, you know has been popular, I, I think. We, we get into playing days when we have those discussions. Is Friday, Sunday still a good format? So I think those are all things that we continue to evaluate. But um, it's a really complex thing that, that is going to take all of us with, within this conference in developing a strategy of how we want to move forward. Now, does your background, having come from a football league in your past line of work at the Ohio Valley Conference, has that been more beneficial to you through this process? I think it has. You know, football is a completely different animal, as you know. And um, I, I think having done that for six and a half years, seven seasons working with, with football has really been beneficial for me. I think you tend to look at things a, a little differently. And, and obviously, even at the FCS level, the, the way that the popularity in FCS football has grown uh, over the years has, has been tremendous. So, yeah, I, I do think that's been beneficial for this role. I think having come from both a campus perspective and a conference office perspective is also really beneficial. I've been in the trenches on campus. I've done budgets. I've done marketing. I've done production, um, you know, fundraising, all of those different elements. And then, you know, working in the conference office, uh, I've done scheduling. I've worked with men's, women's basketball, football, baseball, run championships. So it's been really beneficial in this role, having touched so many different areas. And you talked about in your introductory press conference how you're essentially playing air traffic controller at the conference level. What are some of the other similarities and differences between where you are now at the MAC and before that at the OVC compared to your time at Marist before you went to the conference level? And how much has the MAC changed since you've been gone and come back? I think there's a lot of similarities and, and obviously some differences too. In the OVC, we were primarily working with, with all state institutions, a little larger um, uh, population, larger enrollment, obviously in the MAC, uh, much smaller size school, uh, more private uh, based as well. So uh, differences in, in those areas, just in the way that, that institutions operate, obviously from a, a state level, it's, it's very different than operating at, at a private school uh, level. So that, that's one of the biggest difference, I, I would say. I think everybody's trying to do the same thing. All 32 conferences are trying to move their conference forward to gain exposure, to become nationally recognized. So everybody's trying to figure out how do they do things differently to make them stand out? And, and as I've entered my role here in the MAC, that's one of the things that, that I've really stressed to not only our staff, but our athletic directors and presidents and uh, SWAs is that we've got to think differently. The, the world is changing around us. And if we don't continue to change with it and not only change with it, but be ahead of it, that we're going to be left behind. And we just had the conversation about name, image, and likeness while, while some people are still getting up to speed with that. We need to be in that game. We need to be ahead of the curve and, and trying to set the tone for what some of this looks like. And I think as I look at the MAC, uh, there's opportunities there. We're, we're in a great region of the country with uh, obviously a lot of homes, a lot of fans, uh, a lot of support. So I, I think that's another difference geographically in the OVC. We were spread out uh, amongst a number of states where this is more concentrated, our, our footprint. 
I think the other thing that I lived hard in the OVC is conference realignment. And, and I was there obviously with a time with great success in basketball. And then uh, we had a lot of transitions. So that's something that I've, I've really been focused on is how do we stay ahead of the curve in terms of conference realignment if there is a trickle down effect to uh, some of the things that are going on out west as well. Talking to Mac Commissioner Travis Talatasi here on the Daily Dose Hoops podcast. And Travis, the Mac schedule was just released not too long ago and a little bit of a change. No Super Bowl Sunday games. That really stood out when looking through the schedule at first blush. But what were some of the strategies that you had as the commissioner in the office when composing the schedule? What, what were you looking to establish right away from day one with this league and, and also keeping the Thursday, Saturday for Super Bowl week in the last week of the regular season, but also keeping the Friday, Sunday for the remainder of the year. Yeah, so I said I'd be a complete hypocrite if if I took this job and we played on Super Bowl Sunday, because that was always one of my big uh, issues on campus is uh, when we had games <laughs> during Super Bowl Sunday, it was really just tough to get fans out. And then, you know, our teams would complain having to travel if they were in Western New York or or on a far bus trip that they would not have the opportunity to watch the game. So I think that was something that, as I looked at it from a fan perspective, was important to me. You know, we took a completely different approach to the schedule this year. We worked with an outside scheduler and it was kind of unique because you know, Jordan Confessori in our office has been doing scheduling for, uh, you know, nine years. I've been doing scheduling for about seven years. Uh, the person that we worked with works with multiple conferences. So you've had you had three different people working on these schedules with a lot of experience, which was great. And, and I think it really helped the process. But, you know, we try to limit the number of conflicts within our schedule in terms of facilities and requests. And I think my ultimate goal is if we want the best schedule, then we can't put hurdles in the way of of doing that. So, it, you know, we there's difference between wants and, and needs and requests, and we tried to filter through those to make sure that we were getting the best possible schedule. And when I say that, you know, one of the things that I thought we did really well in the OVC is we established scheduling parameters. And what that means is, you know, in comparison to the MAC, when all of the teams are going to Buffalo, obviously they're playing Canisius and Niagara. When Canisius and Niagara are going on the road, they're playing two teams so that they're they're not doing one-offs. So it, it, that was a top parameter for us in the league. The other thing that I thought was important is we're not playing opponents on back-to-back -back weekends, um, that there is a little bit of space in between there. Spacing out the buys. I also looked at how you start and end the season is really important. On the men's side, um, you either start with two home, two road, you, you play, uh, how do you play your first four games? How do you end your last four games that you're not having more than two home games, two road games that we're not playing more than three opponents on the road, uh, back to back to back. Now th there's an issue with, with Canisius Niagara with that, that that's always going to have to happen due to the simple mathematics. But those are the type of things that I really looked at in the schedule to try and balance them out. I think we made a lot of progress on both the men's and women's schedule this year. We did them simultaneously, which might've been a little different as well, but I think there's still room to improve, but I thought it was a good first start. And with every parameter that you add, there's going to be um, a hurdle to overcome. So that's why you've got to keep those parameters tight and you've got to be really strategic on what they are. Now, are there any plans in the future to help or maybe encourage some teams to schedule stronger non-conference schedules? I know there was a time where 
MAC teams couldn't play a Division two or three, a non qualifier in the RPI. And as non conference scheduling has become more and more important to a team's resume, how, how do you intend to tackle that? Yeah, we've already talked a lot about non-conference scheduling, even with the presidents. And and one of the things that I took a look at even in this year of how many games we were playing against Power 5 teams and, and Big East opponents on, on both the men's and women's side. And, you know, I, I'm a true believer in uh, you've got to give your, yourself opportunities to, to win games. And uh, I think when those numbers start to creep up in terms of Power 5 and, and Big East games, that, that's a problem because, as you and I both know, th- those are hard games to win, especially if they're they're true road games. So I think from a, a strategy standpoint, non-conference scheduling is critical if we are going to set our teams up well for a a good seed in the NCAA tournament. And if we do have aspirations ever down the road of of being a two-bid league, I know there's a lot of discussion on that to say that that might not be realistic anymore, but I still think you have to set yourself up well in the non-conference. Everybody's schedule has an impact on everybody else. So if we have schools playing four or five guarantee games, that at the end of the day is not helping our, our team succeed. If, if we're at the, if you have teams that are at the, the bottom of the league, obviously they've got to schedule accordingly and get wins. If you have teams at the top of the league, it's a little different type of scheduling uh, methodology in terms of you've got to challenge yourself and have good non-conference wins on your resume when March rolls around. So we're going to talk a lot about non-conference scheduling. It's something that we focused on really heavily in the OVC. We brought in experts. We, we talked to the membership. And that's something that we'll continue to have those conversations uh, around basketball non-conference schedule, both on the men's and women's side, to set our teams up for success in March. And you talked about the ESPNU package with the wild card games in January and February. Are, are you looking to maybe perhaps boost the profile on a linear signal and maybe get more games on on the U or on ESPN2 eventually down the road? Yeah, I think that'll all be part of our, our media rights uh, negotiation and, and evaluation here. Um, it, you know, there, there is the struggle right now with linear versus uh, streaming. And where does that go here in the next couple of years, even in the next five, 10 years? You know, our last agreement was an, an eight-year deal. So, um, ESPN obviously has changed. I think the streaming and digital world has changed. So as we come together as a group, I think that the question that we have to answer is what's our strategy in terms of linear television? Do we think that's still um, you know, important from the long term? I, I do think it, it is. So how do we have different opportunities on uh, streaming and and linear as well? I think you know, we also have benefited even in men's lacrosse having our championship game on ESPNU, that, that's something that sets ourselves apart as a conference. So looking for those type of opportunities, I think are important as well. And that all goes into championship windows and then days of the week that you played, which we already talked about. You know, I loved the Monday night slot for our championship game, which we had years ago. So I thought it was a, a great slot. We had primetime talent in terms of Jay Billis and Bill Rafferty and Sean McDonough. I remember those days. And I think that's something that I continue to evaluate from from my standpoint as well is as we are talking through this contract and the future, what does that look like knowing that you've got, um, you know, arenas and different issues to work around as well. I, I know a lot of people 
I see online saying, you know, why don't we move back to Monday night? It's not as easy as it might seem. There's a lot that goes into that process. So we continue to evaluate that. We continue to have those discussions. And, um, you know, I think that week heading into Selection Sunday is also good from a publicity standpoint of being able to promote the teams that are going to the NCAA tournament. Talking to Matt Commissioner Travis Altasi on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast, and you kind of led me into my next question about the tournament here. You're locked into Atlantic City for the next three seasons through 2026, but are the dates, which right now conflict with the Big East and the ACC, going right into Selection Sunday with the championship game on Saturday before Selection Sunday, are those dates fluid in, in the immediate future next couple of years and would you like to maybe go back to that Thursday through Monday format that the league had had for so many years in the past? Yeah, obviously a hot button issue in this league. And we've started to have those conversations as well. I know from arena perspective in Atlantic city, there there's conflicts in terms of other events that they've got uh, during that time period you brought up right now with the Saturday at slot, while good in terms of in person, we're also competing with the Big East, the ACC, the SEC, uh, all of the major conferences in terms of, of their championships. So um, it, it's hard to uh, get notoriety when you've got a lot of those other conferences that you're competing against, uh, obviously with a bigger reach. So uh, that's something that that we continue to look at. Um, you know, the other thing that goes into play is if we were to move the schedule back uh, in terms of our championship, that goes into now some compression in the regular season schedule as well. So, you know, we have got a meeting coming up with our head men's and women's basketball coaches here in September. We're meeting in October in Atlantic City um, during our, our in-person basketball tip-off event. And, and those are the type of discussions that, that we'll have is, again, what's our strategy moving forward for, for our championship? As you mentioned, we're in Atlantic City for, for the next three years. I think it's something that, that we need to embrace as a membership to uh, do our best to put our best foot forward and get fans down to Atlantic City. I know, again, you have differing opinions across the footprint of our league between Albany and Atlantic City and Westchester and Long Island, and, and that will always be there. But now that we have settled on Atlantic City for the next three years, I think it's our job as a conference office and a staff to make sure that we make it a, the best event that it can possibly be and work with our schools to get fans to Atlantic City for the for the championship. And there's also been talk about going to home campus sites down the road. Do you, do you intend to entertain that? Maybe not necessarily execute it, but what have you heard as far as far as that front? Yeah, I think that's one of those evergreen conversations. And, and we had it in the OVC as well, neutral site versus campus sites and, um, you know, what's better. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Is a campus site better or is a neutral site better? I think you've got pros and cons to each from a, a campus site perspective. And I can tell you my experience now from working in both leagues, I hear the same arguments. If you're on a campus site, you tend to get better crowds. The atmosphere uh, is good. But, uh, you know, from a student athlete perspective, things that we often heard is it doesn't feel like a, a championship. You don't really have the opportunity to brand the building as well as you would on a neutral site. You've already played there once during the year. 
if you're the opposing team, obviously it's a, it's a hard atmosphere to, to come into. So I think there's pros and cons to both. You, you do have the opportunity to get a better crowd. From a neutral site, I think you have the ability from a conference office perspective to make it more of a championship feel. It's a championship experience. You know, you, you have the opportunity to, to stay in a hotel that is pretty nice. I think in Atlantic City, we've got two really top-notch hotels in the Ocean Resort, which is absolutely outstanding. And then the Hard Rock uh, Hotel as well that, that our student athletes are in. So you've got a good championship experience from that standpoint. But as we know, it's hard to get fans to um, uh, neutral site championships. And, and that's a problem for every conference in the country. You know, even in Nashville last year, they were handing out free tickets to the SEC tournament on Wednesday night. So it's a challenge that all 32 of us face as conferences uh, when it comes to to neutral sites. So again, I think there's pros and cons to both. I'm not opposed to looking at, at different options. Some have even thrown out starting on campus and ending at a final four site uh, at a neutral site, which is something that we explored in the OVC as well. So I think there's a lot of different options. At the end of the day, it really comes down to what's the appetite of the membership? And then how do we set ourselves apart? I do think we do set ourselves apart with our neutral site event, um, you know, from other conferences in this footprint. Travis, I don't, I don't know how much of a voice you had in the last discussion with keeping it in Atlantic City, but can you take us through maybe the bid and the, the RFP process from as much as you know, for those who may be unfamiliar with how it all comes together and, and comes about? Sure. So there was a committee put together by the conference to, to really look at, at this entire RFP process. Uh, you know, I was not hired when, when this started or, or even finished. Uh, I was still not on board, but, um, you know, got a little bit of behind the scenes to the process. I think as you look at the, the different sites that were interested, I think it, it, first and foremost, A, somebody's got to be interested in, in hosting you. And whether that's uh, an arena that that has multiple events going on, are they willing to clear their schedule for an entire week? Because essentially we come in right now on, on Monday and set up and then games start on Tuesday and go through Saturday. So you have to have the arena ability availability first in uh, somebody that's willing to, to host. So I think as you get into some different venues, even within this footprint, that becomes a challenge when you're hosting NHL or NBA or concerts. Um, so, so that's number one. I think number two, from a championship experience, something that was important to, to many in this league is a, a destination. If we're going to have our, our championship it's got to be somewhere that's enticing for fans to travel to, um, you know, in Atlantic City. Obviously, there's a lot of great options and uh, great hotels, great restaurants, and it's more of a destination. You're right on the ocean. Again, I think we all know that that Atlantic City has some challenges and, and they've been really good to work with up, up to this point. And we've had really good meetings about how we can uh, improve some of those things um, in terms of the, the experience that our fans have. But it is attractive from a destination standpoint. So, so I think that's number two. And then number three, it goes back to the conversation that we just have. What's our philosophy of starting on campus versus neutral site versus what does this championship experience need to look like for, from a student athlete and a coaches and a fan's perspective. So, you know, it's no secret. I think in this footprint, Albany has obviously hosted a lot of championship that gets into uh, another discussion uh, about neutral site versus home court advantage for Siena, since they play 
the men's basketball team plays downtown in, in that arena. So that's a discussion that, that goes on when, whenever Albany's involved. And then what other arenas are involved? And from a financial standpoint for the league, uh, the Atlantic City deal is, is pretty good in terms of, of um, how it's set up financially. I, I would say more than pretty good. It, it, it's actually excellent. So at this level, and I compare it to what we had at the OVC, it, it, it blows that away. So there's a lot of different factors that go into this. Then you get into the TV window, you get into the hotels. It's not as easy as just saying, uh, this is the site that we want to be at. Let's make it happen. A lot goes into this behind the scenes. Talking to Matt Commissioner Travis Salatasi on the Daily Dose of Hoops podcast. And Mount St. Mary's just joined the MAC this past season as the 11th member or replacement from Monmouth when Monmouth went to the CAA. But with the league standing as it is, would you eventually target a 12th team perhaps? What are the, what are the plans for expansion right now, first week of September, as, as we see it in the matter? You know, we've had a lot of conversations about membership, even in, in those these first couple of months that, that I've been on the job. And, and I think there is an appetite for expansion from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, 11's hard. It, it creates a buy situation within the schedule, specifically for basketball, but within our other sports as well. And you know, we have a number of sports that membership levels vary in terms of who sponsors the sport. But I think as a whole, 12 is is a really desirable number. I think you look at some different things when, when you're talking about membership expansion of, you know, profile of school, location, geography plays a huge role in this. And, you know, the thing that I continue to remind our membership is from a uh, geographic footprint we're pretty tight and, and this is something that I need to do the research on, but I think we've, we've got to be one of the tightest conferences in terms of travel in, in the country. Um, we're not getting on planes. We're not getting on 11 hour bus rides. Uh, this is a bus league. And, and I know some trips are a little harder than others, but I think that's something important as we look at realignment and what's going on. We don't want to be sending student athletes out and, in, in um, you know, varying parts of the country for conference contests. And I think everybody's on the same page in terms of that, that we want to want to make sure that the footprint's tight and getting the right school that, that has the right fit and and fits the profile of what we're looking for in terms of the conference. And to follow that up, what would be the prospective school profile? What would you hope to attract from an institution? But, you know, I say it all the time. Somebody actually has to want to be here. So that, I think that's number one. And, and that goes back to our whole branding discussion and the attractiveness of the conference and, and the way that we've set things up here from a conference office level is, you know, we can want certain schools and this is no different than any other conference. But at the end of the day, they have to leave their current situation for a better opportunity. So I think that's something that it's critically important to make sure from a conference office standpoint that, that we're attractive to prospective member schools. So that that's number one is somebody's going to have to want to pay their exit fee and, and join the MAC and, and make sure that it's a good situation for them. I think we've got a lot of good things going for us right now with our strategic planning process, you know, ready, ready to go. I think that's something that we're going to learn a lot over the next couple of months and and how we move this league forward and, and continue to obviously uh, use basketball as a vehicle to promote this league. And with St. Peter's, what they did uh, a couple of years ago, 
you know, hoping to to continue to sustain some of that success in, in different levels of the way that we look at commitment in the league as well. And one more for you, Travis, before I let you go. Four months into the job, you've already experienced some of the issues surrounding the lead from the short term. What are your long-term objectives going into your first full year as Mac commissioner and beyond? Yeah, there's a couple things that are that are really important to me as, as I look long term. I, I think we need to have a plan uh, in place for uh, as college athletics continues to change. You know, there could be a, a moment in time that you know we don't know we don't have a crystal ball of what the future looks like. But how are we prepared if if someday the NCAA just goes away? I, I think you have to have a lot of different uh, visions out there of how do we continue to look forward, knowing that the landscape is really volatile right now, and and what happens at the Power Five level and the FBS level in terms of football. I think that's a, a key component. As well, obviously, the MAC does not have football, so it puts us in a, a little different category in terms of that. So uh, long term, I think it's stability, making sure that that our conference is stable from a membership and financial standpoint, which right now, um, you know, we have been and want to continue with that. Obviously, I think championships are really important to me. So making sure that from a championship experience standpoint, we continue to invest in those championships. And that's, that's what we do. Um, you know, so from a student athlete experience standpoint, championships are, are critically important to me because that's going to be the highest level that many of our student athletes compete to. Some of them won't get the opportunity to compete at the NCAA tournament. So now that's something that I that I really like to focus on from a branding standpoint, long term. How do we position ourselves as a league? Um, you know, we talked uh, already about that, making sure that our, our brand is strong, that people uh, aren't confused by our name and, and wondering who we are. I think there's more identifiable uh, aspects with our institutions than the conference. When you start to mention different schools, Iona, St. Peter's, Siena, Fairfield, whoever that may be there's more notoriety with the schools than there is with the conference because we're continually describing the conference's name. So, you know, th those are big projects, probably uh, more so looking here uh, recently, but long-term, I think it's stability and making sure that we're adapting appropriately to the changes within college athletics. And I'll, I'll give you a chance to plug the MAC basketball tip-off also on October 17th at the Ocean in Atlantic City will be the first, at least from my time covering the lead, in-person get-together before the season starts. Just tell us a little more about that and your your plans and objectives for that. Yeah, so I think if, if basketball is going to be a priority in this league, then then we need to to celebrate that. We need to promote it. And, um, you know, I remember the days back on campus, even as a student in Madison Square Garden. And and obviously that was a big deal. And, and that kind of deteriorated over time as, as media went away. And this is not going to be your traditional media day. And that's why we're not calling it a media day. We, I know that we struggle. Every, every uh, conference is struggling with beat writers right now of, dedicated just to uh, you know covering basketball so this is more of an opportunity to get our head men's women's coaches together invite members of the media invite um, you know local leaders within Atlantic City 
and, and really get everybody together to um, announce the preseason uh, teams, the players of the year, uh, do a little presentation at, at the beginning of, of the morning, and then uh, have a live show on ESPN. That, that's something that we have previously taped. So, um, you know, we're looking at a 90-minute show for the men live on ESPN Plus from the Ocean Resort, and then a, a live 90-minute show for the women, uh, same from the Ocean Resort, and really trying to use uh, Atlantic City a, as, um, you know, a backdrop for this. I, I think something that is important to me is if we're going to be in Atlantic City for the championship, well, then, you know, we need to start promoting Atlantic City because there's a lot of different places that we could have held this event. But I think if that's going to be our anchor in March, then then we need to really start, um, you know, promoting and investing that. So, again, I, I, not your traditional media day, but really an opportunity, I think, for everybody to get together in person and, and really kick off the, the start of the basketball season. Matt Commissioner Travis Salatasi about to embark on his first basketball season as the commissioner of the conference after replacing Rich Enzer. Travis, thank you again so much for coming on and spending some time with us as you begin your first year, and we'll see you real soon as the season starts and progresses. Well, I appreciate your time, appreciate the opportunity, and uh, always appreciate your coverage of this league. It does not go unnoticed, and um, you know we appreciate all that you do to promote uh, the MAC. My pleasure, and we'll get back into Mac Monday real soon. Thanks again. Uh, I can't wait.